1: This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You
2: worked for
0: Chris Christie, you've been in politics, a lot of
2: public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the, nation. with the nation. This is America with your host, Rich
3: Valdez.
2: What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. You guys know me as Richie V, Mr. Call Screener, El Conservador, and... Your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden in New York City. And today we've got a special presentation of me on The Mark Levin Show. I don't want you to miss out in case you did. I'm going to give you hour one starts right now. Ten years since Occupy Wall Street and the radical all-out crazy left wing of the Democrat Party took over that park in New York City, and now they're stronger than ever. In the ten years... That it's been they've gone from occupying this little park in New York City, Zuccotti Park, to occupying Congress, occupying newsrooms, occupying classrooms and occupying unions, the worst of which is that they now occupy the White House right here in the United States. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. Some of you guys know me as Mr. Call Screener, Richie V, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, El Conservador. And I am in for the great one tonight. Mark is off. I want to wish all of our Jewish brethren a happy Sukkot tomorrow evening. I also want to wish an early happy birthday to the great one. That's coming up, and he will be back this week. But the left is threatening the livelihood of free thinkers here in America and they're doing it to keep them in line. So, for example, when I give props to Nicki Minaj, the rapper, for standing up for herself, that's not me saying that she's the champion for the conservative cause, but I will celebrate liberty in action nonetheless. You know, a couple of years ago, right here on this program, might've been 2019, I mentioned that the left hasn't fired a single shot, literally, but figuratively and quite literally, We're under an ideological attack, a very intense one. When activists that embrace Soviet principles, the principles that gave rise to communist countries and socialist governments, and they're succeeding in teaching those same principles to students in their classrooms, our children, to readers of their journalism, our neighbors, and to their constituents through various levels of government, the whole country, The choice is clear that we have to choose liberty, libertad, for the survival of this great nation. Look, I believe it's true. They're here. And it's taken them a hundred years to get into place. So what do we do? We replace them. To resist is a sacrifice that has to be greater than their sacrifice. But many of these same Americans that are on the left, they're willing to forego having children because they've brought into Karl Marx's utopian fallacy. And they're applying it to the environment. They're applying it to unions. They're applying it to the economy. So let me ask you, can you beat a political and ideological adversary without sacrificing more than they do? Are we on their side? Of course not. Are we willing to risk the comfort and security of employment to publicly take them on because they're willing to put their jobs on the line. Now, truth be told, many of them have built in union protection that allows them to continue doing exactly what they do. And I know it's easier said than done. Trust me. I know, but we have to replace them. We have to raise these replacements, recruit the replacements, Become the teacher, become the professor. We have to raise or recruit or become the broadcaster or the journalist. We have to replace our school boards. You know, uh, it was probably last week somebody told me they just found out that their kid's teacher is a conservative, their kid's principal is a conservative, and their school district attendant is also a conservative. And guess what? They're all Levinites constitutional conservatives and they found that out because they were all talking and Marx's number one book came out American Marxism it came up in the conversation and that stuff happened right here in New York now of course these conservatives in in academia and these conservatives in public education they live in the shadows as conservatives for fear of reprisal that's just how it works around here but we have to make a choice as Americans Either we love America or we don't. We either love liberty or we don't. We either love the next generation of children that will occupy our nation or we don't. We either commit to leaving those that are going to come after us a better America or we don't. We're going to either be guided by love or be guided by fear. And fear sometimes manifests as anger because... We get so worried about the future and what's going to happen with our families and we get very frustrated and we lose focus. Don't lose focus. Don't lose heart. The goal is and always was to win, to win the battle in the free marketplace of ideas. But Americans on the left have put their thumbs on the scale. I always remember uh, an adage that uh, I-, I told my kids some many years ago when they were smaller. And I tell him, George Washington didn't panic. I'm sure he was scared at times, but he didn't panic. He wasn't frantic. He was decisive and he was a committed statesman. And I think that's what we all need to do. And I'm not saying you, this wonderful audience, the Levinites, I know that you guys are committed, but we have to spread this message so that the rest of America can become committed. And not just committed to patriotism, but committed to replacing those that endanger America's future as we know it, right? Abraham Lincoln was committed that way. And he was very clear in his admonition, the Lyceum address. Now, it's a pretty long address. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I printed out a little bit of it that I thought was so apt for today. And I'm going to start in the second paragraph and wrap up around uh, the end of the third paragraph. And Abraham Lincoln said, we find ourselves under the government of a system of political institutions Conducing more essentially to the ends of civil and religious liberty than any of which the history has ever seen before. When mounting the stage of existence, we found ourselves the legal inheritors of these fundamental blessings. We toiled not in the enquirement or establishment of them because they're a legacy that's bequeathed to us by a once hardy, brave and patriotic people. But now we lament over them being departed. Theirs was the task and nobly they performed it to possess themselves and through themselves us of this godly land and to uprear upon its hills and its valleys a political edifice of liberty and equal rights. Tis ours only to transmit these the former unprofaned by the foot of an invader, the latter undecayed by the lapse of time and untorn by usurpation. To the latest generation, that fate shall permit the world to know. This task of gratitude to our fathers, justice to ourselves, duty to posterity, and love for our species in general all imperatively require us faithfully to perform. How then shall we perform it? At what point shall we expect the approach of danger? By what means shall we fortify against it? Shall we expect some transatlantic military giant to step the ocean and crush us with one blow? Never. All the armies of Europe, Asia, and Africa combined, with all the treasure of the earth except our own in their military chests, with Bonaparte for a commander, could not by force take a drink from the Ohio or make a track on the Blue Ridge in a trial of a thousand years. At what point, then, is the approach of danger to be expected? I answer, if it is ever to reach us, it must spring up amongst us. It cannot come from abroad. If destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher. As a nation of free men, we live through all time, Or die by suicide. And he wraps up with uh, the rest of the admonition. And you can read that for yourselves. But to sum this up, Abraham Lincoln gave us this warning. And he said, this country comes down because we'll take it down ourselves. Mark Levin wrote the book American Marxism. Because he clearly articulates that that's happened. We're here. Doesn't mean the country is over. It means they've gotten a footing and we can't play games anymore. This is no longer a spectator sport. This is critically important. I think it's it's important that we realize these things. Again, what Lincoln said, and he said it in 1838, is so apt today. You know, I'm going to read you this last piece just because there's so many things in here that I think you, you should know. He says, I'm, I hope that I'm overweary. But if I'm not, There is even now something of ill omen amongst us. I mean, the increasing disregard for law which pervades the country, the growing disposition to substitute the wild and furious passions in lieu of sober judgment of courts, and the worst and savage mobs for the executive ministers of justice. This disposition is awfully fearful in any community. And now that it exists in ours though granting or grating to our feelings to admit it would be a violation of truth and an insult to our intelligence to deny accounts of outrages committed by mobs from the everyday news of the times. They have pervaded the country from New England to Louisiana, and they are neither peculiar to the external snows of the former nor the burning suns of the latter. They are not the creature of climate. Nor are they confined to the slaveholding or the non slaveholding states. Alike, they spring up amongst us the pleasure of hunting masters of southern slaves and the order loving citizens of the land of steady habits. Whatever, then, their cause may be, it's common to the whole country. Again, that more specific on slavery, but right now, that's exactly where we're at in this country. And it's not a great place to be, but the good news is we were there once, and we got out of it, and we, we I think we can get out of it again. And this is, again, Abraham Lincoln in 1838. So I leave you with that until we come back. I am Rich Valdez with an S, and I am, again, in for the great one. Our telephone number, let me give that to you before I forget, one eight seven seven three eight one thirty eight eleven. 381 and uh, there's a lot of things happening. We're going to get into a bunch of stuff from Nancy Pelosi to General Milley to all-out crazy AOC. I even She's got some stuff going on. That's like the story that doesn't end. But don't move a muscle. I am Rich Valdez. This is America.
0: This is America.
2: All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all the social media. And uh, some of you guys know me. Again, I'm the host of This Is America. You can uh, hear that wherever you hear stuff. And uh, I'll get back into that a little bit later. But I want to jump back into the stuff I was talking about because my juxtaposition of everything that's going on in the world is... to me, eerily similar to so many things that have happened historically, and history does repeat itself, and not always the same way. I understand uh, historical context for what it's worth. I realize that we've got to look at things. Now, some of you listening are thinking, well, you know, that was the precursor to the Civil War. It was, but I don't necessarily think that's the precursor to a hot civil war in America. I really don't, and maybe that's my own naivete, but I think that it's funny how we use French words in English, right? Naivete. Anyway, I think it's funny how we we look at things. You know, nobody, they assassinated the character of President Trump. They didn't actually assassinate him. And thank God, right? Thank God for Donaldus Magnus, El Trompito, the 45th president of these United States, El Presidente. And I'm glad he's still around and he's still doing rallies and he's still doing his thing. But my point is there's an electronic way of getting at people. It's a new kind of warfare, right? Cyber warfare. And I don't want to go into the cyber warfare rabbit hole. To me, all of this is just indicative of how Marxism is playing out. If you've read American Marxism by Mark Levin, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Chapter six, chapter one, it, it really describes how these institutions in America have just been hijacked. Right, everything. I mean, everything's been hijacked. Nothing is the way it looks. Everything is some sort of, uh, uh, to reference the Soviet Union, like Politburo, and and these and these ministers of propaganda, and they're in law enforcement, federal law enforcement. And I support law enforcement. You know, I actually um, was a volunteer cop in Jersey uh, for for like two years, and my brothers served both of them twenty years NYPD. I have nothing but respect for law enforcement, but it's sad to say. At the federal level, we've seen it time and again. There are some bad apples that are trying to spoil the bunch, and that's just not there. I mean, we see the same thing in the media. We see the same thing in in the schools. You've got teachers that come in with very altruistic, altruistic excuse me uh, rationale of why they want to become a teacher. And then they get there and that is all kind of um, usurped by the unions and them saying, no, no, you've got to do this and you've got to teach this and we're going to do this. And parents, I don't want to put this on the parents, but the parents have a role, have been taken a back seat. Some of them because they don't know better and some of them because they're too busy because they're trying to make a way for their family. So when we look at all of that stuff, it's, it's like, man, we're looking at the same thing that we saw in our own history a ton of years ago. And it's happening right before our very eyes, the violence in the streets of last summer. We've seen that play out. So obviously I'm preaching to the choir and you're saying, come on, Rich, we know this stuff. Where are you going with this? My point is that we're here and I think our next steps are critically important. When you look at the success that American Marxism has had, and I don't mean to make this an infomercial, but I really think it's an excellent manual along with Unfreedom of the Press and the rest of the eight books that Mark has written, to prepare people for activism, to prepare people to go out there and do what needs to be done. Because we have to fight this fight, and it's not a physical one. So while, you know, we're pumping iron and doing what we got to do, getting ready for the big fight, the big fight isn't really going down that way. It's happening, as you could, as you can see, in big tech. The censorship is there. But we have victories And there are victories we have to look at. Every time you see parents that are taken to the streets, taken to these school board meetings, that's a victory. We're seeing people that are saying, you know, I'm not afraid. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to speak my mind and I'm going to hold these people accountable. Every time you see a new leaked tape come out from somewhere, somebody slipping a tape to so-and-so and giving information to the other one, that's a huge win. When you see these thousands of people that were assembled in New York City yesterday protesting for something that they believed in against government mandates, that is where we're at. And we're getting closer and closer. And to me, liberty's making a comeback. America is on the rise. We're going to get to where we got to be, but we can't lose focus and we can't mistake our frustration. Anyway, keep it locked right there because we've got a lot in store for you tonight. This is the best three hours in talk radio. Not because I'm on it, but because it's the Mark Levin Show. So don't move a muscle. Our phone number is 877-381-3811. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, and I'm in for the great one. This is America.
1: Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500, or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at woodhousebuickgmc.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC, we are professional grade. This is America.
2: So 49% of the people polled think that Joe Biden is mentally stable enough to become president. And we're going to jump into that stuff in a little bit. I want to talk about Joe Biden and his mental health, and I'll I'll jump right back into this. But it's, uh, it's a tricky situation, right? I'm going to give you a little bit of personal story, a little personal story. My dad, God rest his soul, had a brain injury. Uh, he'd cracked his skull, and the bleeding in his brain had swelled his skull so much that he'd received some permanent brain damage that slowed down some of his motor function. Uh, A lot of different things, his ability to speak as quickly as he once did, Um, his ability to swallow for a while was impacted. So lots of things happen. And the same type of um, damage and procedure, Uh, Joe Biden had two of these, uh, you know, open cranial surgeries. Now, for a guy that's had two open cranial surgeries, I'd say this guy sounds terrific because I have experience in working someone with a traumatic brain injury. But I will say it doesn't take away everything. Right? My dad was, uh, I guess what I would call, he was he was not a gangster. right? He, my dad was a, a guy that worked in a cardboard factory and then worked his way up to working as a doorman in a Manhattan building in Tudor City. But he always had his side hustle. And his side hustle was, you know, he was like uh, the muscle, if you will, for a, a little gambling operation that was in the back of a bodega in Brooklyn, New York. And this was very common back in the days, you know, you'd walk into the bodega and, you know, you knock on the back door and then they have, you know, joker poker machines. They're playing dominoes, they're playing cards and, you know, they're betting on horses and stuff like that. Um, not necessarily legal, but very, very popular, right? In the, in the 60s, in the 70s, into the 80s. And, and I bring him up because my dad never lost that edge. You know, 80 years old, my dad might forget who I was at times. But he wouldn't forget how to square up and take a swing and sometimes connect, knock my glasses off my face, catch me in the jaw real quick. He had speed and he had power. Yet he didn't know what day of the week it was. <laughs> he'd, he'd tell me, oh, I'm just I'm over here in Spanish. He'd say, I'm here waiting for the train. You know, so he, for the train. And I bring that up to say, you know, I, I, I know how this stuff with brains works. So Biden comes out there and he's been a career politician his whole life. He knows how to be a crooked politician. He may not know anything else, but he knows that. So they know they can come to him and say, hey, President Biden, what do we do? Oh, he knows exactly how to undercut people. He knows exactly how to lie directly to the camera and say what has to be done, even if he's losing track of everything around him. Now, I'm not saying that to excuse him. And I'm not saying that I don't think that he's evil and nefarious. It's quite the opposite that I'm saying. I'm saying Joe Biden knows very, very well that he is doing bad things because he's in a game where you have to influence the balance of power. It's politics. You strong arm people. This is how we do it. And he's been doing it for half a century. So if anybody knows how to do it, he does. So yeah, I think he does things nefariously. I think he does things out of muscle memory because he's an old school politician, right? So it comes as no surprise to me that he's now getting criticized by his friends on the left because they, he's embarrassing their brand. They're supposed to be the progressive brand, the brand that says, no, we're doing good things for America, right? If you like your doctor, you can keep them. And he says things like, Well, you know, I I got hairy legs. They're blonde. And the kids, they put their hand in the pool and they rub them up and down my leg. And I learned about roaches. And he says all these crazy things. And you're like, what? What are you saying, man? So Chuck Todd comes out and he says, you know what? Whether it's the border, Afghanistan, nuclear deals, COVID, Biden has a big credibility crisis. Let me tell you something. When your colleagues, the fake news media that's there to make you look good, tell you that you have a credibility problem. That's a big problem. Check this out.
3: So we can talk about the border crisis. We can talk about the period of about one hour on Friday where we learned Mm -hmm. that the drone strike that had been touted as an attack and a victory over ISIS actually killed a group of civilians, including seven children. France recalling its ambassadors from uh, from Washington because of that nuclear deal they were cut out of between the United States and the UK and Australia. And also the covid booster news that all came on Friday. How is the White House managing all this? And what do you expect to hear from the president at the U.N. on Tuesday?
1: Well, look, I think he's got a a pretty big uh, credibility crisis on his hands because all of these problems in some ways showed up after he said something basically the exact opposite. Afghanistan withdrawal wasn't going to be messy. This wasn't going to look like Saigon. Uh, The booster shots, he came out and essentially said eight months and even indicated maybe we should start it as soon as five months. Now we're not sure if anybody under 65 is going to get a booster shot. Uh, So, you know, he's had and of course, the border has been, you know, whether this you could we can talk about the border problems. You could say there's years in the making. But the, the, it's pretty clear we have a bigger problem now than we've had in years. And this is a these policies have turned into becoming a magnet. So he's got a lot of work to do.
2: you dang right he's got a lot of work to do. Joe Biden is messing this thing up, right? If you we weren't on the radio, we'd say he is messing the bed. Man, un desastre. He's a disaster, Joe Biden. But this is, I think, part and parcel of his performance that's why we have this result, which is why I'm looking at this poll here. This is on Breitbart by Wendell Husebo. I hope I said that right. Husebo. Only 49% think Joe Biden is mentally stable enough to be president. 49% of registered voters think President Joe Biden has enough mental soundness, quote unquote, to serve as president, according to a Fox News poll that was revealed just yesterday. Respondents were asked. Do you think Joe Biden has the mental soundness to serve effectively as president or not? Now, while 49% said yes, 48% said no. When respondents were asked weeks before, between September 10th, uh, excuse me, the 7th and the 10th, 49% said yes, and only 45% said no. This is not good, right? Biden's, he's going in the wrong direction. I mean, the poll goes on and on. It's, you know, it's not that super exciting here, but they're all coming out to defend him. Jen, circle back, Pasaki, Silent P, of course, she's out there um, sticking out for him. But his friends in the media are not. And it's interesting because even academia, right? So that's one poll. That's the media. Well, here's another poll. Harvard poll. Donald Trump more popular than Joe Biden. Wow. So not even academia now is going to put their thumb on the scales to tilt it a little bit. They're saying, no, no, no. Former President Donald Trump is more popular with registered voters than President Joe Biden is, according to a Harvard-Caps-Harris poll released by The Hill today. 48% of respondents say they have a positive view of Trump compared to the 46 per se. They have a favorable opinion of his uh, successor. So, and I-, I could read that a little bit more later, but I just want to jump into this point to, to really set the stage for Biden. Because Biden is making a mess across many categories. So we're going to talk about... China. right? We're going to talk about uh, what's going on domestically. We're going to talk about what's happening with Congress. But I want to talk about what's happening right now at the southern border because literally something like 12,000 illegal migrants crossed illegally into the United States since Thursday night or Thursday afternoon. You've got the mayors down there that are under siege asking things like, where is the vice president who's supposed to be in charge of this? Where is Kamala, who I like to call, que mala eres, which in Spanish means how bad she is. Where is que mala eres? Where is Kamala Harris, the vice president? Even Stephanie Rule from MSNBC was just asking today regarding the border crisis. Where is our vice president? She was supposed to be in charge of all of this. Check this out. How about the message from our vice president? Where is she? She was supposed to
0: be in charge of all of these migration issues, going to those northern triangle countries. That's obviously not Haiti. That was one of her first international trips with the message. Do not come here illegally. People aren't listening. What is she saying now? Well, we haven't heard a lot from the vice president. Of course, you point out she was focused on those Northern Triangle countries. A lot of her work was in Guatemala, working with that government. A lot of the diplomacy, which is what the vice president was focused on, was with Mexico. And essentially what we're seeing now is a breakdown of that work with Mexico.
2: Okay, hold on a second. I, I think you heard the same clip that I heard. So they said, where is Kemala Eres? And Jen Percerco, back to Silent P. She says... Well, you know, we really haven't heard a lot from her. Excuse me? We've <laughs> we we we've lost. It's like, where's Waldo? Where is Carmen Sandiego? Where is Gemala Eres? We don't know where the vice president is. We really haven't heard a lot from her. Isn't it your job? Or are you throwing her under the bus because you're sticking up for Joe El Baboso Biden, the president, right? I don't know which one it is. Maybe you guys can help me figure that out. But I think... To me, it sounds like she's not only White House press secretary, but today she is also the White House bus driver and she is throwing Kemal right under the bus and she's running her over. Uh, Actually, it's more like (laughs) she's smashing her and then she's going over. What is the deal here? Now, it doesn't help. Not at all. Not one bit that Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security in Del Rio, Texas, um, yesterday, today, he tells a reporter asking if he'd admit that there is a border crisis, which I would say is more like border chaos, saying, I'm going to stop you right there. This is just a challenge. Listen to this. Uh,
3: Mr. Secretary, so you've stated repeatedly that it's a challenge, but last month you were reported
2: privately saying that what's been happening along the border and so I'm
3: asking, you, right now in you know, I've got to tell, I've got to, I'm going to stop you right there. Let, let me just say very clearly, we are focused on meeting the challenge. We are focused on mission.
2: Oh, focused on a mission. What is your mission to let everybody in? Listen, he thinks that we may have forgotten what he said a while back. Right. This is the same secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas, that said, listen, we're not telling you not to come to the United States. We're just saying don't come right now. And this was at a time when the pandemic was really like out of control. And it was for like five minutes when he was saying don't come right now. Right. It was it wasn't as forceful as Kemal the vice president, who, when she said she said, I'm telling you, don't come. Right. I should have got that one. That's a, that's a funny audio. But she was more forceful in it and she took heat for it. Mallorca says what he wants to say. He doesn't take heat for anything. but So that's what he said today. Now, he went on today, and I think we have the clip from earlier this year in March when he said, I'm not saying not to come. Just don't come right now. We are
3: not saying don't come. We are saying don't come now because we will be able to deliver um, a safe and orderly process to them uh, as quickly as possible.
2: Oh, safe and orderly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you really think somebody's saying, I'm just saying, don't come, just don't come right now because we want to make this safe and orderly. Do you think anybody's going to listen to somebody that talks that way? I know I'm not. I'm going to say, okay, excuse me, sir, step aside. I've got some border crossing to do. And that's exactly what they did because he's literally opening the door. He's opening the border and he's doing it at the command of the commander in chief, Joe El Baboso Biden. Now, what did he say today? Now he goes on at length about how. Haitians are receiving false information that the border is open. Excuse me, sir. Are you not the same guy that said, don't just don't come right now. They heard what you said in March. That's why they're flooding the border today because you've opened the border. This is a very serious thing. It's a dangerous game they're playing because this is not just people, everybody coming for economic opportunity, which I'm sure many of them are the majority. This is literally Americans that are in our own government that are helping to destroy our economy, our national security, our national sovereignty in many ways. And all he can say is, look, they're, they're getting the wrong information, folks. This has nothing to do with me. This has to do with them. Listen to this.
3: The White House has directed appropriate US agencies to work with the Haitian and other regional governments to provide assistance and support to returnees. The majority of migrants continue to be expelled under CDC's Title 42 authority. Those who cannot be expelled under that authority and do not have a legal basis to remain will be placed in expedited removal proceedings. DHS is conducting regular expulsion and removal flights to Haiti, Mexico, Ecuador, and Northern Triangle countries. We are very concerned that Haitians who are taking this irregular migration path are receiving false information that the border is open or that temporary protected status is available. I want to make sure that it is known that this is not the way to come to the United States. That is false information. Irregular migration poses a serious security risk to the migrants themselves. Trying to enter the United States illegally is not worth the tragedy. The money Worthy effort.
2: Okay, so let me get this one straight. So, Secretary Mayorkas, it's not okay if you're Haitian and you come to the border, but it is okay if you're from Guatemala or Honduras or one of the other Central American, uh, as you would say, Latinx countries, right? I think that sounds incredibly racist to me. If I'm making a false assumption, please correct me if you're out there, Secretary Mayorkas, feel free to give us a call. Anyway, our phone number is 877-381-3811. I'm going to get to your calls next. Don't move a muscle. We're just getting started. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S on all the social media, and I am sitting in for the great one. This is America. This is America. So there's a crisis at the border. I say it's more like chaos at the border. Uh, Welcome back, America. Mark Levin Show. Rich Valdez filling in our phone number, 877-381-3811. We're talking immigration, and we're going to talk a few more topics. But right now, I want to jump to your phone calls before the hour is up. Let's go to Vince in Albuquerque, New Mexico. You're on the front lines down there. Uh, Albuquerque's obviously not... Uh, hella far away from the border. Vince, what's going on? You're on with Rich Valdez. Okay, you got, I'm a Vietnam vet. Thank you for your service. uh, I got, oh, my honor. uh, I got, uh, we got people coming from Haiti, Afghanistan, and south of the border. And none of them have uh, COVID shots, I'm sure. And uh, they expect us to, uh, we got 73% of my county uh, vaccinated. And, What do I do? What the heck do I do? Yeah, well, obviously, I I mean, you got to stay safe, Vince. And, you know, this is one of those things where, yeah, we we have to hold our government officials accountable. And I think we're getting closer to that. You know, now we've got people that are out there. We probably don't have the time right this second to play the audio, but uh, there's some media folks that are holding Jen Pasirkel back Pasaki, holding the White House accountable, saying, what's going on? Why does everybody have to have a vaccine? You can't even get a job in many places or keep a job in many places because you don't have a vaccine. Yet all of a sudden, these people that are coming literally by the tens of thousands or at least 10 to 12,000 And it's okay for them. And she says, well, you know, they're not staying long. It's going to be a little vacation. We can't deal with that vacation nonsense, Vince. Uh, Tell me what the impact is like in your community. All right. Vince. Yeah. Well, listen, the the music means that we've got to run. I appreciate your call. I'm sorry about the time. But uh, I realize that communities down in Brownsville... Uh, Del Rio. These guys are overrun at the border. So don't move a muscle more on this. Plus what's going on in China and with COVID. All right. Thanks for sticking with me. Rich Valdez at Rich Valdez with an S on all the social media. And that was hour one hour two is coming up straight ahead. And like I always say, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. So don't move a muscle because hour two starts right now. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America.